Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, January 25th. We've got plenty of crime news to bring you today, but first, a money launderer who helped smuggle people across the channel in small boats has been sentenced to eight years in prison. Ashgar Geshlagian was a middleman who carried cash from asylum seekers to gang leaders. He was arrested in 2021 following a two-year investigation by the National Crime Agency. Reporter Matthew Thompson has been in court. Some of the evidence presented it was actually from an ITV documentary in which they interviewed an anonymous people smuggler who referenced a Mr G, a broker that they used to transfer money and lo and behold that turned out to be Mr Geschlagi. It comes as it's been a quiet week for channel crossings with no boats detected in the past seven days. Kent Online News. A man who attacked a worker at a co-op near Sittingbourne has been sent to prison. Jack Wiley punched his victim in the head after they spotted him trying to steal alcohol and food from the store in Merston on Monday. The 28-year-old from Whiting Crescent in Faversham has been locked up for six months and told to pay compensation. A woman's been arrested on suspicion of attacking a paramedic who was trying to treat her at Tunbridge Wells Railway Station. Emergency crews were called when she was found unresponsive last night. She's been taken into custody. We're told the paramedic wasn't badly injured. A man who robbed a co-op in Kent before leading police on a chase into London has been sentenced to two years behind bars. Jake Sims took two cash boxes after forcing his way into the store in East Peckham in June last year. The 29-year-old from Southwark will be banned from driving when he's released from prison. A dessert shop in Canterbury has been cordoned off by police after a suspected arson attack. Firefighters were called to heavenly desserts at the Riverside Complex in the early hours of this morning. Officers say the site's previously been targeted with racist graffiti and the blaze is thought to have been started deliberately. A man's been arrested on suspicion of stealing sandwiches and cakes from a bakery in Chatham. He tried to run away from officers after being spotted on the high street on Monday. The 43-year-old's been recalled to prison for an unrelated matter. Police are hunting two men following an aggravated burglary in Tenterton. They're said to have knocked on a door on Ashford Road and threatened the resident while demanding money. We've shared a CCTV image of one of the suspects at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Now, this has been one of our most read stories online today. A mum is demanding a full refund and an apology after half her son's birthday cake was eaten after being accidentally left at a Chatham bowling alley. This has been quite a divisive story that's drawn a lot of comments at Kent Online. Lucy's got some more details. Lisa Sheehan had paid around £80 for the Thomas the Tank Engine-themed birthday cake for her six-year-old son, George. But after the party had finished and the guests had gone. What was left of the cake was accidentally left behind. Lisa said she phoned the venue immediately after noticing it wasn't with them, but was told by staff at Chatham Bowl in the Pentagon Shopping Centre that it had been eaten by guests on a neighbouring lane. Lisa's been quite critical of the venue. Yes, she says it was obvious that the family had intended to take the cake away because it had been boxed up. She also says the staff had a duty of care to put it aside and contact them once they noticed it had been left. Has there been any reaction from the company? Well, bosses at Disco Bowl Limited say if someone leaves an item in a public place, it is not our responsibility. The cake was abandoned on the lanes. No member of staff was notified it was being taken. It was eaten by an adjacent lane and it is perfectly reasonable to be considered as rubbish. This is backed up by our CCTV. Managing Director Peter Terry says they won't be offering an apology or a refund and the family are now banned 
banned from the centre. Thanks, Lucy. The story's generated quite a big reaction online, with a lot of people siding with the venue. To read their comments and to have your say, head to Kent Online. Bosses in Kent will review their CCTV systems after confirming some of the surveillance cameras are from an alleged unethical Chinese supplier. Tech giant Hike Vision has always denied human rights abuse allegations and suggestions the equipment can be used for spying. KCC say their system is secure and will make upgrades only when it's needed. Southeast Water has apologised as homes in Cranbrook have been having trouble with their water supplies. Bosses have blamed it on recent storms and power cuts and an increase in burst pipes. Sophia Aiken from our colleagues at KMTV has been speaking to Bella Beeler, who runs a candle making business and was without water for 24 hours. We received a text message in the morning saying there'll be um, a water cut and it started happening in early afternoon. So we didn't have any water at all. And then it went up to this morning. How has it disrupted you as a person, but also your business as well? So as a person, so I... My studio is at home, so it went everything went um really chaotic, let's say. But as a business, because I rely on water sometimes to wash, sometimes I do need the water to make my recipes for my for my products, and without water, so cannot work. And it happens all the time. And then it seems like last year happened in January as well, and that's my busiest period where I need to produce so I need to make stuff ahead for the year and it's not the first time it's happened to you is it so it must be quite frustrating it is so it happened a couple of times already so can count so last year was around three times so and starting again this year but I hope towards the end of the year it won't happen anymore and I know last time I spoke to you in August and you were struggling to get the compensation back from Southeast Water so I know you eventually got it back. Is that something you're concerned um, could kind of happen this time round or in the future? Yeah, I'm really hoping not because it's a nightmare when you need to wait for compensation. You need to send a complaint. So you, you spend your time whilst you could be doing something else, just trying to fill up forms and asking for compensation. So, But fingers crossed it won't happen anymore. Have they said anything to you? Because it's happened so many times now. I know Cranbrook's quite a, um, it happens quite a lot in Cranbrook. Have they said anything as to kind of console you or say that it won't happen again or anything like that? No, they haven't. No communication apart from this text message letting us know in advance, which is, it's good. So you can plan your day around. But if they say they want to come back late in the evening or in the following day, so I don't trust any moment you actually see the water coming out from the tap. Southeast Water say most people's supplies have now been restored. A Broadstairs man says his two-year-old daughter was left to wet herself in a seaside arcade because staff refused to let her use the toilet. The dad had paid for his family to play at the Flamingo in Margate last Saturday, but was told the child could only use the facilities if they were playing the Lost Island Adventure Golf, which is in the same building. Company bosses have since apologised and slammed the closure of public toilets by the council. Bosses of a restaurant in Ram who travelled to the seaside to feed the homeless have hit back at their critics. Ali Akpana shared his act of kindness on social media last Friday as he delivered leftover food from the Minster Meze and Grill. Some people slammed the move, saying good deeds should be done quietly. Ali says he's hoping to inspire others to do the same. Kent Online News. 
A woman from Ashford says it's vital we all know the symptoms of breast cancer after almost missing hers. Joy Davis was suffering from a bleeding nipple and only went to the GP because her husband encouraged her. It is all down to my husband that I actually went and got it checked out in the first place. Um, I don't know how graphic I can be on it, but I went, so I had a a bleeding nipple, um, which back in... March, April time of 23, and I put it down to thinking I was going through the menopause uh, due to having a hysterectomy four years prior. So I had no symptoms of menopause. I couldn't tell whether it was. So um, we went on holiday um, and he was really worried about it. So I eventually made an appointment at the doctor's. Um, he then sent me to the breast clinic. Um, bit of a whirlwind. I had breast exam they sent me that same day for a mammogram who then sent me to ultrasound who then did a biopsy um i still at that point didn't really think too much of it um and then i had my results um in august and i had a five centimeter tumor um in my breast and I had a something called Paget's disease of the nipple which is also a cancer on the outside um, so I knew that I would have to have chemo and then I would have to have a mastectomy um, once that chemo had done um, which I finished yesterday and luckily for me the tumour has shrunk to nothing but I do still have to have my mastectomy in February of this year. And how's that sort of been um, uh, for you? It, it sounds like it's all it's all happened quite quickly. It all sort of was quite a yeah. yeah it all happened quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah. So they have been an amazing team. I mean, right from the the very start, it's been appointment after appointment. I've diary entried on like my phone so that I've documented how I felt over the different treatments, um, so I can sort of have a bit of a reference to go back to to see how I'm feeling. Um, normally after chemo I get a day or two of feeling okay and then it really hits for about a week. Um, but yeah, it's it's all been very quick and like I said, I finished my chemo yesterday so now it's just a waiting game for, for the next for the next bit, um, mastectomy and then possible radiation afterwards. And I guess when, often when you think of uh, breast cancer, you think of, of having lumps, don't you? So it's quite, it, has this sort of been a bit of an eye-opener and I guess perhaps there needs, needs to be more education around the different types of symptoms that can come with it? Massively. I couldn't feel a lump. Um, I There was nothing, even though it was quite big, um, I do check my boobs you know like they tell you there's so much more awareness over it um obviously with Amy Dowden being in the public eye with Strictly and everything last year I've massively followed her story because it was relevant to me at the time um but yeah I had no idea it was literally this one symptom that I didn't think anything of um and yeah I think there is so much more to it and if there is anything go and get it checked like I left it long enough i think kent online news plans to build 150 new homes across three developments in dover have been recommended for approval the projects in wingham whitfield and east langdon would also include open spaces and a children's playground local families hope it will provide affordable housing options others fear it will bring house prices in the area down if you live in medway you're being asked what you think about the towns and what could be improved bosses have launched what's called the one medway plan which highlights their priorities over the next four years they include things like 
having good education, quality jobs and affordable homes. Leader Vince Maple now wants to hear from the residents. I'm really proud that we're consulting the public on our One Medway Council plan at the moment. This is uh, the first time that's ever happened. The public have never been consulted on it before. So from my perspective, it's important we've started that. Some of these will be quite stretching targets as well. It's worth to recognise that. Um, but we wanted a plan which was uh, achievable but challenging, but also importantly recognising the, the priorities of this council and the priorities of the public, which we think are attuned. And again, that's why we're continuing the consultation as we speak. And speaking of the public, uh, you've requested public opinion uh, with the uh, forms that have been sent out. Uh, how are you reaching out for those public opinions and how important are they to the council plan? We will always do everything we can to, you know, encourage people to play their part. You know, people's lives are busy. So the council asking you for your views on everything, you know, can take some time out of your life. But we, as a Labour and Cooperative Administration, really value the views of our yeah. residents. We see, it, we see it as a partnership approach. So from that perspective, that's why we're going out to, you know, for the first time ever to show people we want to hear their views on what we think uh, the key priorities will be over the next few years of their council, recognising, of course, the uh, challenging set of circumstances we find ourselves in, particularly when it comes to the issue of uh, local government finance. And on a more uh, financial approach, how are you planning to budget this new council plan and all these improvements in with all the other costs that come with uh, running the council? We'll be setting our budget on the 29th of February uh, and the one Medway plan will go to our annual council meeting in May. Uh, it's worth saying that, yes, whatever we were doing as a council, uh, whatever our plan showed, actually, you know, with things like the 91% cut we've seen in revenue support grants since 2010, it is a challenge and it is difficult. And I'm, I'm under no illusion that we will, we will have to take difficult decisions when it comes to that budget setting on February the 29th. But for me, uh, the alternative, if we weren't to set those uh, challenging budgets, would be regrettably handing the keys over to Michael Gove and central government to run the council. And that's not what people voted for on May the 4th. Are there any changes you're hoping to see across Medway? Uh, like physically, how is the space going to change? Well, one of the things I really want to see and I value is people having pride in our community. I'm really proud of Medway. It's a great community made up of the five towns, the peninsula uh, and the, the community as a whole, a true one Medway approach. So over the lifetime of this plan, I want people to feel more proud of way, where they live. And that can come through a number of different ways, whether it's improving our high streets and town centres, you know, enhancing our green spaces, making sure people have got good opportunities for employment and importantly, uh, assisting when they have poor health. All of those things, I think, build the place that we call Medway uh, into a place that I want people to be more proud of. 
Medway Council are also asking residents what they think about plans for a new music festival. The Dream Valley event is due to be held at the Great Lines Heritage Park in Gillingham this summer. Previous proposals for a festival there last year were cancelled, but organisers are hoping to get the go-ahead this time around. Ambitious plans for a huge concert hall in Ashford have been put on hold as developers make some changes. The £9 million project called Ashford Live would transform the former Mecca Bingo Hall and Vicarage Lane car park. It had hoped to draw West End shows, music concerts and opera to the county. Focus is now on the old hall, which could be reopened as a cinema instead. And if it stays clear, you might be able to see the wolf moon over Kent tonight. It's the first full moon of the year and was named as wolves are traditionally thought to howl more in the middle of winter. Kent Online Sports. A Maidstone gymnast has revealed 2024 could be his final year competing. James Hall has represented Great Britain and England at World and European Championships as well as the Commonwealth Games. Now he's hoping to be selected for this summer's Olympics in Paris after helping Team GB qualify in 2022. The 28-year-old has been telling KMTV's Bartholomew Hall what it's like training in an Olympic year. Naturally, it's going to be a stressful time. Um, but I've got a lot of experience. I think from a lengthy career, I've managed to garner quite a lot of experience and over the years it's kind of helped me keep a cool head and um, yeah it will be full on but I'm looking forward to the challenge and I think this will probably be the one of the last years of my my career um, getting a bit old now but uh, body's starting to feel it but I'm ready for the challenge and I think as you get a little bit older you think you know what this is less about just making a team but you know fulfilling my potential whatever that may be and giving it my all. You've had quite a few international competitions but of course it's only your second Olympics what did you learn from the first time around that you can bring with you this time? I think, you know, no matter what we do, we're always analysing and that's, that might be in the club with my coach or with my, my teammates that were at the games or my teammates that didn't quite make the games. We're always talking strategy about how we, can, how we can get a team medal, how we can get individual medals. And I think, for me, my approach this time will, again, to, be, to leave no stone unturned. And I think... That has always been my motto, to, to give everything I can give, whether it's in the gym or out the gym. Um, but yeah, it'll be all guns blazing, so I'm looking forward to it and I'm ready for the challenge. Is there any sense of some sort of weight that's been lifted off your shoulder in a bit that you're coming back for a second time? Yeah, I think a career goal for me ever since I was little, you know, I, as far back as I, I can remember, it was Olympic Games. It was never a medal or this type of medal, this colour, because winning for me has never been about gold, silver or bronze. It's been about again giving my all and, and, and trying to inspire others no matter what age they are to sort of you know go for their dreams as well so yeah the the weight's not so much on my shoulders but again I, I hold myself to high account so we'll see what we can do. You mentioned there being being a youngster you've been here for most of your life really uh, since you've started gymnastics what would you say to that uh, six or seven year old who first step, place, uh, step foot in this place? I think um, is yeah go for your dreams I mean it's never going to be smooth sailing it's going to be tough you're going to have the highs and the lows and and sometimes there'll be more of one than the other and it will chop and change but I think as long as you keep the love in the sport and realize that you know you're doing this because you love it and not not for money not for this not for that it's you know it's a beautiful sport and I'd say that to my younger self and I'd say that to any youngster coming up and you actually you're, you're family moved here from Australia before so what was it like growing up in Maidstone do you still have the, those family links back to Australia yeah um, we've got a couple of family members that still live over there um, I guess the trade-off was the weather <laughs> um, but yeah Maidstone's been my home for 
well, 26 years now, and it's been brilliant. You know, I've got such a, a close-knit community here with family, friends, and of course the club is both of those things to me. And yeah, it's just, I count myself very lucky. I think it's rare for an athlete to start at a club and, and see it all the way through to the end. Before we wrap up, I just want to know, what is the day in the life for you in an Olympic year? Uh, I think for me, like I said, it's a very stressful year. So finding those little wins that you can take to, to sort of take your mind off of the gym. Um, Gymnastics isn't just a sport or a hobby, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's kind of one of those things that you, as soon as you finish a session, you can't just switch off, you go home, you think about it, and that can be a recipe for overthinking. So I think looking after my chickens, walking my dogs, um, whatever that may be, uh, just keep myself distracted. Chickens, that's, that's fantastic. What, what's the story there? Have you, have you always had chickens? Yeah, well, my mum and dad, they've always kept chickens, and mum's always been one for rescue hens, and she's had a few, and uh, she, well, she called me one day and just said, oh, there's some rescue hens going, do you want some? And uh, that was midweek and by the weekend I had chickens, so that was that. And briefly in cricket, Kent's Zach Crawley has opened the batting for England in their first test match in India. He scored 20 before being caught out earlier this morning. It's the first of five matches that will be played over the next six weeks. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.